Hi, thank you for joining us on the Short Bus Debate Club. My name is Brian Courtney, and I am one of your hosts. The reason that we're doing this show is to give you a different angle on things that are happening now, things that have happened in the past. We want to show you where our stupidity has taken us. Um, I mentioned that I am one of the hosts. My other host is Darren Jolly, and I'll let him do a quick introduction. I'm Darren Jolly. Um, yeah, we're going to sit here and rattle off a bunch of uh, nonsense to you all, kind of trying to think some things through. Um, and uh, and w I could say in an unconventional way, but uh, I think it's probably even a uh, outside of those spaces. I mean, most of the places where people look for their information right now um, is framed in some pretty, you know, obnoxious, ridiculous, you know, and, and very directed ways. You can pretty much see where the, the thoughts are coming, depending on where the money's flowing, um, who it is that's uh, espousing them. Uh, we'll get into that stuff later, uh, more deeper, but uh, um, yeah, that's essentially what our uh, intention is waste 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 a lot, waste a lot of time trying to think things through better than most people are and trying to find honest ways to uh, uh, to create a concept of what moving forward actually would look like outside of what's being framed for us in these other spaces yeah and hopefully when we're doing it we can not only entertain you a little bit but you know point you in the right direction because I think that both of us would say you know we don't want people to just parrot what it is we're saying you know we want people to to follow up and if we talk about a link where they can read some information that they go to that link and and form their own opinion because we don't need the opinions of whoever the fuck it is we're talking about we don't need more oprah winfrey opinions we don't need more rachel maddow or bill maher we need people who understand how to form their own opinion. So that's kind of what the Short Bus Debate Club is all about. Well, and we, you need, we need to understand socially that if a person starts to give you an argument, like if, if you really listen to, like if you're familiar with the way that, say, Fox News constructs some, some sort of an argument or MSNBC constructs an argument or the BBC constructs an argument, you can generally tell within... The first, you know, 20 seconds, what, where that person's getting their information, because they're again, like the parroting concept. You, you, you not parroting, parroting. You know, when when people are just like, how can you have critical thought about anything if everything that's coming out of everybody's mouth is just something that's being given to them in a frame? And don't get me wrong, like these frames that are being presented. Are, are, are complicated and as, as a society we love narratives we love a story we love we love somebody for for somebody to provide a uh, you know uh, the page turning moment you know to where like our the way that our media is working is almost like uh, it's almost like watching a movie sometimes but we need to get out of the habit of uh, fetishizing this 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 desire for those frames and and start trying to find a way to create those spaces for ourselves because this is a uh, this is a road to disaster the way that we're going right now 
Yeah, and on that happy note, um, <laughs> we are buckets of joy. <laughs> we are, like I said, gonna try to entertain you as well. Um, even though <laughs> I, I do believe also that we're heading for disaster, but fuck it, we'll have a few laughs on the way. Um, you know, some of the things that that I want to talk about throughout, not just this episode, but future episodes are, you know, things like the, the recent Roe v. Wade decision. I would like to talk about the drug policy and the prison industrial complex, voting, um, just stuff that is going to continue to get us into trouble and things that maybe we could change if, if we tried real hard. Um, so that's that's kind of the intro as as far as I'm concerned. Um, I would also like to mention that we do want to hear from you guys, um, whether it's a, a topic that you want to discuss or you want to tell us that we truly belong on a short bus, or you know you want to give us some kudos. Our number is seven two zero. Three three four seven six five five, or seven two zero three three four roll, because we are on the short bus and we are rolling. And just in case you didn't pick up the the subtleness of this point, um, you know we we're not trying to be insensitive to anybody, but you know we we need some sarcasm, we need some satire, and we're not going to be real politically correct about some things when some of these things are discussed, you know? I mean, you know, sensitivity has a place, but, you know, when you're, when you're, uh, you know, a society of lemmings running off of a cliff, you know, I mean, uh, we can sit here and talk about, you know, what a person wants to identify themselves as, but if we're not eating food, you know, then we're just going to end up eating each other's fingers until, you know, we're, we're all essentially done for so <laughs> again that positivity is flowing but i mean the point is is just that and again not to be insensitive but uh you know we we have to understand that when we're talking about like the things that brian was just talking about in terms of things that he wants to talk about i mean when you're talking about policies or you're talking about um uh practices institutions that we have like voting that we use as a mechanism to try to imagine creating a different world and, and doing certain things to create that world. Um, we need to, we need to understand clearly how, yeah, how those things work, you know, I mean, or, or don't work. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, voting in the presidential election is great. And we're just so fucking happy that 65% of the people came out when Barack Obama was running for president. But then the numbers dropped during the midterms. And on the, the state level and the local level, nobody votes at all because they don't think it's important. Well, one of the reasons that Roe v. Wade was essentially reversed or, or given back to the state was because people don't vote. And so all of these zealots who use religion as a means when it's convenient for them 
have now written policy and are essentially going to take us back to the Stone Age. Um, if, if you were a male and you went to the doctor because you had the clap and the doctor told you, sorry, you have to keep it, how happy would you be with that? And, and essentially, we're talking about a medical procedure. And, and that's why I use the clap, because no man is going to be happy that they have to keep the clap. <laughs> um, that, so that I was a double entendre. <laughs> you didn't even need to see it. It was all right there. So, so I, I just think that it's, it's messed up that since people aren't voting on the state level that all of these people who, I don't know, maybe they think they can tell women what to do with their bodies because their dick is no bigger than a clit, or maybe they've never satisfied a woman, so they want to tell them what to do. In either case, uh, there's there's some problems with what happened with Roe versus Wade, and, and I'm not saying that voting alone would change it, but voting and all of your elections would definitely help. But no matter what, this is like this is the the deeper questions that we're trying to get involved in when we're thinking this through. Like we, we live in a system where we have this sort of rhetorical disposition that uh, has such an affection for the concept of democracy, right? And I mean to the point where like uh, uh, the weird rallies that would go on, you know, at the end of Trump's presidency and whatnot. I'm not talking about just January 6th. We'll talk about it at some other point in time because there's so much of that. And, 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 and the January 6th, the January 6th stuff uh, is, is, you know, that's one of those MSNBC moments right now. And it, it, I, I just, it's just so disingenuous the way that they approach all that stuff. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that more later, but when we talk about, uh, in the concept of democracy as an institution, as a practice, uh, does participating in elections produce the uh, the responses that, that that we're looking for? What are some other avenues? What are some other avenues that people have gone down in the past? You know, in terms of trying to to create these shifts. I mean, we are not like I said, we we're we're, we're fringers in in many respects. But I'm stereotypically somebody would identify me as a super lefty and. Like Brian, as you know, we've, we've grown up together, so we've known each other for a pretty long time. But he would generally, would you say it's fair that you sort of self-identified as sort of like a, uh, a libertarian-ish in many respects? Yeah, I think that that's fair. But I would say that I'm a Jeffersonian with environmental leanings. <laughs> so. It's complicated, right? So, I mean, it, that's, and that's part of the, like, when I say that I'm, like, when I say lefty, I mean, I, like, I, I, w I was an academic who went to grad school a couple times and dropped out a couple of times. Uh, you know, I read a lot of Marx. I read a lot of people that wrote a lot of stuff from the Marxist position. And uh, Brian and I, I mean, I know I'm 13, I'm 47 now, you know, we, uh, we, we, we even through our disagreements throughout this time, we tend to connect more, even though we come from such very different different points, because the ways in which the 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 conventional dispositions don't offer us good concrete solutions. We've tried to create our own ways or our own mechanisms throughout the course of our lives to try to like what whether it was me through the academy you know whether it was him when he, he you know the the people's propaganda stuff when he wrote off the grid you know there's there's i mean he, brian has had 
a billion projects that have always been aimed at trying to creatively imagine a way to sort of engage in social projects that piggyback on top of you know those those, those conventional spaces in democratic institutions, but understand the weaknesses of them and try to find uh, ways out, ways forward, ways you know uh, that aren't stuck in these left-right spectrum dispositions and are you know recognize these common goals in very unconventional ways. Yeah, I don't know if maybe it is unconventional. I don't know. The reason I discovered that I was more of a Republican than a, a Democrat was at the time, you know, I had just turned 18. Clinton was running against Bush. Um, Clinton wanted to take away our guns. Bush wanted to take away freedom of speech. And I figured, fuck it, I'm a Republican because at least if they ever try to take away my freedom of speech again, I still got my guns. Um, I ended up being a precinct leader for the Republican Party and realized that they are complete fucking psychos and they're not the Republicans that were Republicans, you know, back Republicans helped with Dred Scott. Um, they, they were pivotal in, in Dred Scott and, and getting him, helping him win his court case. And now if you are a different color than white, the Republicans aren't really uh, shining on you. So I decided I really wasn't a Republican not a Democrat, so libertarian made a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Turns out that they weren't the greatest party either. Um, you know, they don't care about the environment because they just want everybody to have their own civil rights. And I, I'm good with that, except for the fact that we have to try to take care of each other to some degree and, and the things around us, you know, nature, trees, lakes. And, you know, I talked to one libertarian candidate and he thought that it was a good idea to just privatize it, sell the national park to a corporation. And his argument was ownership. There's pride in ownership and they'll take care of it. Well, I know a lot of people who own a lot of houses, a lot of cars, and they treat them like shit. So I don't like that argument. Um, so maybe it was unconventional in how I decided my my political leanings and, and ideology. Well, but you even think about what you just said. I mean, like initially, like you outline where your you know your 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 traditional institutional connections were, but you spun into all these other spaces. You know, I mean, you like you said, you, you I mean, most people would never try to be a precinct leader. You know, I mean. But you, 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 you saw some things you didn't like. You saw some problems. You tried to engage that. You went to some meetings, and then, you know, you saw the writing on the wall. You know, you moved away from that. Um, like I said, you, 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 there, was a, there was a thing in libertarianism that you gravitated towards. But, you know, I mean. <laughs> you know, I, ironically, and it's really weird, but one of the reasons that I decided I wasn't a Republican was there was a woman who was running for state Senate 
And she decided that she was pro-life and that everybody, you know, should be pro-life. And I thought if there's a party where a woman is actually pro-life and trying to tell all of the other women in the world what to do with their bodies, I, I've got a problem with it. So there was more than just that, but that is, is kind of what steered me away. Um, I don't want to caricature or anything like that, but <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is interesting how like we, we tend to sort of like go through these traditional institutional mechanisms in these, in these spaces and, you know, through so many different motions, like things fall to the wayside and then these other creative spaces sort of like come to the, you know, I mean, your people's propaganda stuff. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, ambitious, I, I mean, and, and thoughtful. I mean, you were trying to track voting activity of, uh, uh, people in Congress at the state level and the federal level, you know, which is, I mean, an incredible undertaking. It would have been uh, one of those things that if you found somebody on the outside that would have funded it and you had some nice technical expertise, it would have been a lot, a lot easier, but you got on, I think you were on KBPI a couple of times, if I remember correctly. I was on the radio <laughs> and, you know, I maybe have delusions of grandeur, but I, sure, I kind of pulled out of the people's propaganda stuff just because, I didn't think I was making the change that I was supposed to. And it's crazy because, you know, I did get people to go and vote that didn't traditionally vote. Because that was the intention, right? You were you were trying to provide that information and help get people stimulated to, to Yeah, I wanted I wanted to inform and not not steer them away. So, you know, I broke down the legalese of of referendums and amendments into something that could be understood by the layperson. Um, I tried to show people how the the House and Senate were voting, at, at least on the federal level. On the state level, that was that was tougher to do. And you know, There's a lot I, going on. Like I said, that was an ambitious project. I wanted to get judges' decisions, but you know, they typically are not released to the public, so you can't even tell how a judge weighed one way or another, which is kind of fucked up because we have to vote for these people, you know, every two years or every 10, depending on where you are in the country. And we don't even know what it is they stand for. So it, there, there's things like that, that that I want to change. But yeah, I, my ex is... Her, her father, I won't mention any names, but uh, before he passed away, he wanted to actually create a score system for judges to where you could see how they came down on certain things. It was the same kind of idea, but how do you, I mean, how do you do that? You, I mean, you can't because they don't release it because they want to get voted in again. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean. Don't you forget the most important thing that you created with people's propaganda, though, dude. The Delephant? The Delephant, dude. The Delephant was badass because. They are all Demopublicans. Um, you know, that's something important. And I don't care if you vote Democrat or Republican. But I would just, you know, recommend not voting a straight ticket just because of one thing or the other. Because one group is going to try to fuck you and take your money and give it to a different group. And the other group is going to do the same thing. It's just who they give the money to. Well, two, two simple cases in point in relation to this. Um, when Trump became the 
Republican nominee for president in 2016. I remember this advertisement that had uh, Bush one, Clinton, Bush two, uh, and of course Hillary wasn't there because she was in opposition. But and, and Obama, the, these were these were uh, that's four people that you couldn't get into a room together ten years beforehand, or even two years beforehand at that point. I mean the the the, the vitriol between you know the 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 neocons and, and the neolibs, because that's, you know, I mean, in general terms, which you can essentially chalk up the, uh, the upper echelons of those party positions as, I think, something we'll get into more, more down the line. But they, were, they did advertisement against Trump because of the way that their financial uh, interests were being undermined by the rhetorical, the, the, the right-wing populist rhetorical disposition of what, what, what Trump was putting forward, which, of course, is ironic because... He he followed the 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 line that, I mean he didn't he didn't have any controversial populist legislation. I mean it's just freaking hilarious to think about all the things that he said when he was running, and then of course the the policies that he supported once he was in office. But uh, the the other thing um, in relation to um, truly under, truly understanding the uh, uh, the demopublican concept is um, and this one just it's like it's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me right now. Like Liz Cheney asking Democratic voters in Wyoming to recast their votes as Republicans so they can vote in the primary because they want to vote for somebody that's not pro-Trump. Liz Cheney is her father's daughter. I mean, she is a warmonger. She, I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm not really excited about the military-industrial complex. Again, stuff that we'll get into a little bit more later on, but... If you really believe that Liz Cheney is uh, representative of your interest as a human being, then you're not the kind of human being that I want to associate with. So, but that's that whole Demopublican thing. Like it's this this group that sits in the middle where they're protecting very specific economic interests. You know, follow the money, see what connects to it, and uh, the political parties are essentially dominated by those dispositions. Well, I would hope that just based on you know. The, the state of Wyoming and, and the population there, and I know that they're generally conservative, which is fine. But if you think Liz Cheney, who moved to Wyoming and ended up buying a big pad in Jackson Hole, um, you know, you've got to realize that the rest of the population of Wyoming can't afford a big pad in Jackson Hole. So do you think that she's really looking out for you? <laughs> Are, are they are they from Wyoming originally or no? She's I think she's from Virginia. Um, you think East Coast somehow or another? Yeah. I mean, not to whatever East Coast, whatever. I'm not you know blah 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 blah. But old money, you know, I'm gonna stick everybody into a, a category and be a hypocrite now. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh. So I don't know. She she was educated at the University of Chicago. What what was her degree in? Uh, and is that graduate or undergrad? Well, she went to McLean High School in McLean, Virginia. Okay, Virginia. There you go. Okay, you were you were right on on that one. I try. <laughs> I I really have to be careful in offering Brian comment compliments like that because <laughs> he's already running with enough. <laughs> On, on his own, you know, and I, I, look, I'm guilty of the same thing in my own, in my own ways, but uh, 
you know, again, you'll get that picture as we as we move through the further episodes. So, yeah. So, and 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 it's not just Liz Cheney. I mean, really think about who is running for whatever position, and think about where they come from and where they want to go, and then think about whether or not their beliefs really mesh with yours. I mean, are they having a problem paying their mortgage? Are they about to be foreclosed on or did they get their car repoed? Um, do they have a kid in jail for dealing drugs? Or even if they haven't suffered from all these difficulties, do their, do their concrete policy, policy positions reflect a, the interest in protecting people that actually are going through those kinds of problems. Like a good example, like recently in the last, in the last election was, so Andrew Romanoff, you know, he decides that he's going to run, you know, as a democratic Senator and he's dude, he's a, he's a Sanders kind of Democrat, you know, he's a, a progressive, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call that. And a progressive, like in a, not an AOC way, you know, not where you're going to sit there and chastise people for not using the term Latinx, where you're actually, you know, concerned about the military industrial complex, concerned about, you know, the, the dismantling of the welfare state and the construction of a corporate welfare state. Um, and when he, when he started to get traction and it really looked like he was going to end up getting the nomination after Hickenlooper, Hickenlooper pulled out of the, the presidential side of things, uh, and he had explicitly said publicly, I don't want to be a senator. I'm not going to run as a senator. But the DNC came in and said, uh, we cannot have an Andrew Romanoff type character, you know. And I don't know what Andrew Romanoff's background is, but I do know that his policy positions have always been very sharp and very thoughtful. Like, I, I definitely supported the dude. Um, he got... Uh, he got thoroughly punished by the by the Democratic establishment because he did not fit that financial disposition. They will definitely kill you and your career if if you don't like it. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Ben Nighthorse Campbell. He was a senator in Colorado for a long ass time, dude. And for a really long time, he was a Democrat, and then just all of a sudden. You know, certain numbers changed and lines had been redrawn. And all of a sudden, Ben Nighthorse Campbell was a Republican and he got reelected. So, again, they're Demopublicans and they don't give a shit about you. And understand clearly that Ben Nighthorse Campbell, if you listen to the name and you can say whatever the fuck you want about me in the aftermath of this, but I mean what I'm saying. He checked the boxes. He was indigenous, you know. He was a Native American, but uh, he he was he had a specific financial disposition that he was protecting the the spaces of. So yeah. So you know, I <laughs> I I tried to segue earlier um, when I mentioned the so state rep that was against or she was she was pro life and that's why i decided i wasn't so a republican to, uh, okay. we, we did we didn't segue which is fine i i think that we had a nice conversation <laughs> um but we're we're coming up at the bottom of an hour um and i i do think that we need to talk about roe v wade um because a couple of things in my opinion happened when the Supreme Court said, you know what, the state state has all the power. And and as far as I'm concerned, I'm 
I am a state power guy. I believe that there should be a weaker federal government and the state should have power. Slow down real quick. Say that. Just say that again one more time so that everybody understands what the Roe v. Wade outcome was really based like what the what the, what was what was driving what the rhetorical disposition was because well, they weren't making a moral claim they were making a claim about whether or not the federal government could make determinations with regards to specific pizzoli, <laughs> policy positions right and and so basically they said you know what it's it's now up to the state in order to come up with that policy um, and the federal government is no longer going to protect us using Roe v. Wade. And, and that's fine. But what happened, in my opinion, is, well, I, I already told you that now we're probably on our way back to the Stone Age because certain states like Missouri and Oklahoma, Texas, Mississippi, um, you know, they are going to make it very difficult for these women to have abortions, even in uh, the case of, of rape or, or incest. And, you know, well, that is a problem. Being able to tell a woman what to do with her body, that's not the, the larger problem as I see it. Um, you know, basically because the Supreme Court was tired of fighting with all of these states that, that their dockets were being essentially log jammed with, with cases, the federal government did what a shitty parent would do when the kid keeps asking for something and they basically just gave up. They threw up their arms and said, fine, you guys can do whatever you want now. Um, and I, I think that that caused a, a larger problem. One, the states know that if they just keep hounding the federal government at some point, they can win. Or two, um, they've, well, and not or two, but they've essentially created a scenario where the poor and uneducated people of these states are going to be fucked. So really what they've done is they've separated even more the poor from the rich and the poor people are going to get fucked again. But even as you say that, like when, when you say the the federal government threw up their hands, like, I mean, this, this, it was clearly strategic. I mean, to, to be sure, because these populations were dependent on these federal policies that had been constructed as a way of um, creating these, these, these spaces. I mean, they, they, they did, I mean, you know, it's, it's odd how like we're, we're back in this very like peculiar bastardized federalist, anti-federalist moment right now, you know um, but it had nothing to do with anything, you know, I mean, it's not, you know, uh, the mass is this and, you know, keep keep this one in check and blah, blah. It's, it's not what, what 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 Madison and Jefferson and all those guys were talking about back then. It's it's more of a of a strategy, like a strategy to where like equal rights positions or, you know, uh, Roe v. Wade, they were they were constructed on a federal level. And now all of a sudden there's this pushback to where I mean it's not just a question of saying 
that the the federal government may 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 say it looks like they're they're just throwing up their hands. But if you're actually positing that uh, the people that are going to be the victims of this this choice because they don't have the uh, the tools to to function on the state level, you know, and they didn't have the, the tools to function on a federal level either, but there were at least spaces where people were like, we can't do this shit anymore. You know, we got to, we, we have to, have, we have to create these spaces to where, you know, people aren't totally getting, 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 getting screwed over by creating something like Roe v. Wade in the first place. Um, but whatever, I, I digress. I just don't, I just don't want to leave it in the terms of where it sounds like, when I think about the way that the 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 the, the conservative judgeships were were being put in place over the course of the last you know four years you know in the, in the previous administration, these in, these were not you know and 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 the ways in which conservative uh, you, you you talked about how uh, local jurisdictions uh, are not battleground places enough, but it's clear that that uh, a specific demographic of conservative spaces have utilized these over the course of the last several years to, 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 to gain control of legislatures on a state level or to gain control of uh, governorships on a state level to where these certain logics that would come into line with this reactionary right-wing uh, Christian uh, ethos that creates this space to where you're making it impossible for a person who's a poor person to be able to to have a medical procedure, um, essentially creating a new disposable labor class, which was essentially one of the things that you're suggesting at that point in time. It just seems like it's part of a larger strategy when I see all those other aspects that are in place. Well, I, I think that it probably was, but I think that to me and, and a lot of people, at least at first glance, that's what it looked like. And I do think that you know, there's a possibility that the federal government wanted to test the waters and say, you know what, just remember, we can come in with the National Guard if we want to, um, you know, but it's it's a scary thought because of that separation of class at a federal and state level of the things that can now occur because of this reversal and the fact that it looked like they threw their hands up and said, well, that's Fuck a it. fact, Jack. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're right about that. So, I mean, do we really want to see segregation in our schools now because of the reversal of Roe v. Wade? Do we want to see any of the, the things that can happen? I mean, and yeah, all the LGBT plus stuff, you know, marriage, marriage rights, all the things that, yeah. Voters' rights. Yeah. I mean, they're already trying to take away minority voters' rights by saying, oh, well, you can't do this because you don't have an idea and you can't do that because you live here. Um, Love your democracy, everyone. Love <laughs> so it. So now they're just going to say, sorry, you're black, you can't vote. Um, we're going back to the three-fifths of man thing. So get, get, Six of your friends, and then one of you can vote. <laughs> I, I'm not advocating for anything when I say this, but it's very odd to me that there aren't more militant responses because I would be, I would be pretty angsty about this. You know, like when I said I was in the academy, you know, I I, I did a lot of work with, uh, I did this thing, oral history project on this thing called Beyond Chicanismo. Um, we looked at a lot of these sort of like developments with regards to militant groups. And of course, in the 1970s, things were very different in the United States than they are right now. But uh, when you see 
the state institutions being so aggressive, you know, I mean, we, we live in a post-Snowden world, you know, I mean, Julian Assange is going to die in prison unless we do something very radical very quickly to get him out of prison, you know, not to mention Mumia Abu-Jamal, all the, the other, you know, the other people who I have an affinity for because of their commitment to, you know, power to the people, justice and liberation. But uh, um, it just seems like with this kind of aggression, aggression, like towards all of the institutions that we're supposed to, we hold to, you know, we, 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 we're, we're so romantically devoted to, but the functioning of them is so, so fucking out of whack. Yeah, it absolutely is out of whack. Um, and there was a time in my life where I, I figured we needed to prepare for revolution and preparation still may be part of it, but, um, I'm too old and too fat now to actually fight probably. So yes, we are both definitely too slow and out of shape to, uh, be cultivating any concrete strategic revolutionary positions. So take that off of naval intelligence and put that in your pipe and fucking smoke it. Motherfuckers. <laughs> just, just so you know, that was a reference to my book release party where an intelligence officer showed up. Um, so don't don't worry, it wasn't like we were actually inviting you guys to, to come by. But because of what we're talking about, we know you're already going to be listening to everything anyway. But since everything that's digital goes to a recording, you know, memorized space anyway, in, in our post-Noden world, we know that it's going to be there. So, you know. So listen to it. And remember, you can call us. Yeah. <laughs> What's that phone number again? 720 Roll. Right on. Roll, roll, roll. You can also hit us on Twitter for the time being um, at uh, Short Bus Debate. Um, Instagram is coming soon. We'll be on TikTok too, just to kind of keep you guys updated. And Facebook, tragically. But you got to do what you got to do in this world. Yes, indeed. Um, I don't know. Uh, again, I, I don't want to make the the woman's rights thing seem tertiary because it is absolutely important. And I do think that with Roe v. Wade, you know, women and men need to stand up and say, you can't do this uh, in all of the, the states where they're trying to, well, really fuck people over. Um, but in the grander scheme of things, it is, not as much of a problem as the other problems that are going to occur if we don't do something. And if you see it functioning in a larger strategic context, I mean, you have to, this is chess, you know, we have to understand what, what's happening, where it's happening and how it's happening so that you can, because there are no counter moves unless you see, you know, again, he's not, nobody's trivializing anything with regards to that stuff. You know, it's of course, like it, it's, it's, it's prima facie obvious, you know, it's, I, I don't have a fucking right to even offer my, I mean, I, I can talk to my partner about it and that's a private thing between us, you know, but I got a dick. So whatever, you know, when it comes fucking down to it, but if you don't place things into a larger strategic context then you cannot create effective ways of, combating those things, of creating different visions of how to institutionalize or uh, Im Im implement uh, things that would that would create a response to those, counter counteract them. And everything would just be purely reactionary at that point in time. And 
you know, if, if, if what I said was even partly true, where, where you see like the, the way that the judgeships were, were, were put in place or uh, the, the ways in which the, there were these tendencies in the way that certain legal positions were being constructed on a federal level that was undermining a logic that was contrary to a specific group interest that wants to maintain a very specific power logic. Where'd you go? I'm right here. I, 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 come on, you know when, I, when I'm when I'm building these spaces, sometimes it takes me a second. You you have to understand that the way that those federal spaces were being constructed was undermining that logic. And these people are they, they, these are not random acts. These are things that are, you know, I'm I'm sorry. Like you can hate Steve Bannon all you want. You better fucking listen to the guy because he is a part of a group of people that are thinking about things in a certain way. And, and, and the people that you don't like, if every time you listen to them, you get irritated by what it is that they're saying, I'm not, I'm not telling you not to be motivated, be motivated by the things you disagree with, but you at least need to disassociate yourself enough with those emotions so that you can see where those logics are being put in place so that you can see how this move counter move spaces are. Otherwise, you know, you're just cannon fodder, you know, and we, we like we, we're, we're running out of time here. We, we don't have time for the cannon fodder position. So I agree completely. And while I've sat around on my ass for the last 10 years and would be really good cannon fodder, I uh, I don't want to be anymore. So um, I, I think you should write a book, too. But <laughs> yeah. that's a different discussion for a different day. <laughs> Well, I, I've got a lot of things in writing. Um, none of them are just good enough to publish yet. So um, I, I think that we're going to wrap up this show. Is, is there something else you want to talk about before we go? No, I mean, I can rattle on with the platter bone of a goose's ass forever, you know. So we'll, we'll, we'll just keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. So. Okay, so this was episode one of the Short Bus Debate Club with Brian Courtney and Darren Jolly. Um, we're going to try and do two or three episodes per week, and I don't quite know the release dates yet. I'm I'm thinking Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but we'll let you know more as as things come up. The preliminary operation is going to be very organic at the beginning. Thanks for letting everybody know. <laughs> Fuck yourself very much. <laughs> Remember to reach out on Twitter or give us a call at 720-334-ROLL. Um, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Adios. Buenas noches.